Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Good evening, Razorback fans. Welcome to the one, the only Hog Talk podcast. Live from the Sterling Soap and Roastery Studios, we are part of the Believe and Buzz radio networks where you can hear us on all podcast platforms as well as Buzz 2 106.7 in Central Arkansas. So please like, rate, and review our podcast. All shows are presented to you by Arkansas Brewing Company in Ozark, Arkansas. I am your host, Porter Hayes. Alongside me is Jacob Davis. And our broadcast is brought to you by Bet Online. You always find the latest odds, team match infos, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. So head on over to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use your promo code BLEAV to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Jake, we had a little bit of an eventful week uh, between the NFL draft. Uh, the baseball got a sweep over Texas A&M. Um, Darian Ford announces that he is going to the transfer portal after deciding he's coming back, which makes the second person or second member of the Razorback team that has done that. So we will discuss that later on in the broadcast. But we'll start things off with, with the draft. Uh Jacob, your overall thoughts of the draft. Two Arkansas players got drafted uh, this year, and then I uh, can't remember how many others got signed undrafted free agent. Uh, you know, you always have those. But, Jacob, what was your overall uh, thoughts on the draft, and were you surprised that only two w- went drafted? So, I really thought Arkansas was going to have at least maybe three players drafted. Um you know, you think when you think Drew Sanders, we were told that this guy's number one. I mean, he's he's going to go number or not number one, but he's he's going to be a first round draft pick for sure, best linebacker in the class. That's what we were told all season long. Played like it for the most part, and then he slips to the third round, and you're just thinking, or second round, and you're just thinking, man, why? Why? Because he possesses all the abilities. He has great lateral lateral quickness, great at reading uh, uh, offenses on, on the zone reads and stuff. And I, I mean, I really thought that uh, he was going to go at least maybe early second round at the very latest to maybe Pittsburgh. That's where uh, the the odds were pointing for the most part was Pittsburgh. And, and I never got that vibe after that. And then he ended up with uh, Denver which Denver hasn't taken a razor back since McTelvin again back in 2020. Uh, thanks, Will Reed, for that uh, uh, tidbit of information. Then you had Ricky Star- uh, Stromberg going to uh, Washington. Well, there's been a string of Razorbacks lined up there, too. I think Cam Curls is starting safety there right now. So, uh, yeah, Ricky Stromberg, former four-star, uh, a guy that's been a lifer on the Razorback offensive line. Glad to see him as a center be able to – uh, make his dreams come true. But another guy that I was surprised that didn't go was Matt Landers. He had the second best or third best uh, 40 time of the combine. I thought he really helped his stock uh, while he was up in Indianapolis. And, I mean, the guy really put up some solid numbers, especially late in the season, really started catching the ball every time it was, uh, it was around him, uh, was a speedster, game-changing kind of uh, wide receiver, and, you know, he just, you know, he didn't, he ended up going, uh, I've got it pulled up here. Uh, he signed an undrafted free agent deal 
as well. Jaden Hazelwood did today with the Eagles. Bumper Pool went with Carolina uh, as an undrafted free agent. Um, Terry Hampton, uh, defensive lineman for uh, this past season, he was a transfer in. Uh, he got a mini uh, mini camp invite, uh, I believe, from the Raiders. And then I had this all. Dalton Wagner, he got to go. Uh, he has a free agent deal with Oakland Raiders. Terry Hampton, sorry, uh, with the Atlanta Falcons mini camp invitation. Bob Pool, Carolina. Uh, Jake Bates, who was our kickoff specialist this past season, he uh, signed an undrafted free agent deal with Tampa Bay. And Matt Landers with the Seattle Seahawks. So that's uh, there's all your uh, pro hogs from last year's team. Yeah, and it's crazy when you look at how Richardson went in the first round. Then, you know, mm-hmm. all the hype around Will Levis. I mean, I don't understand some of these guys. They must have good agents or hype men because I don't see, you know, the, the hype and, and what they're looking for. You, you see a guy right. like Drew Sanders. You see these guys that – Stromberg even – you know, that they're NFL guys, but they don't get drafted. And it just makes me think of what are they looking for, what are they evaluating. And then, of course, you got guys – you know, I'm not even too sold on Bryce Young. Uh, we talked about that before we the, – the broadcast and just how his mechanics is with his arms and how it's just like he short arms it and his motion and how he throws the ball. I just think it's going to take him time, and I might be proven wrong, but just what I've been looking at and watching him over the years develop from a freshman to his senior year, I just think that NFL defenses, excuse me, are going to pick up on that, and he's probably he's going to throw a lot of interceptions. You know, it's just what I've seen from his strength. I don't see a lot of – I mean, he can throw the ball. All the guys can chunk the ball. But I just want to see what these guys do, NFL defensive. And when you go first overall, and we've talked about this last year, I don't understand the fact where you're bringing in these rookies to run your team. I mean, you're basically giving a rookie the steering wheel to your whole franchise when you bring them in as a quarterback. And that's always baffled me. I don't understand handing these guys millions of dollars when – there's a huge gap difference between college and NFL. And I don't know of how many, I mean, quarterbacks have just come out in the rookie year in the last 10 years and just set the world on fire. Not many, no. you know, and it just, and of course, and they wonder why the same teams keep on drafting the same picks over and over and over. You're, you're not developing your, your quarterbacks. And I mean, you look at the Jets and they got Aaron Rodgers, but even a guy like him is not guaranteed to take the Jets to the playoffs. So it's one of the hardest positions when it comes to the pro when you're looking at the, the, the point guard or the, the pitcher or your quarterback. You've got to read a lot. There's a lot when it comes to terminology and reading defenses. And you think college defensive scheme for you, wait till you get to the pros and wait to see what they bring at you. And you're, and you're going up against – you know, you might have one All-American that you're going up against Georgia or two, but you're going up against whole NFL defenses that are full of Amer- All-American quality and NFL All-Pro talent players. Yeah. I mean, every single week you're going to see something. And that's the thing. Like, you you get in at Indianapolis, you get Andy, Anthony, or Anthony Richardson there, and a guy that, you know, he, he spent one full season as a starting quarterback, and everybody's drooling over it. 
Oh, he's the next big thing because he's big, he's tall, he's strong. He can throw a ball all the way to the roof. I mean, okay, so could Ryan Mallett too. And, and you know, and, and things didn't go well for him and the pros. So, I mean, I don't understand going to the fourth overall. And then in, and you look at a guy similar stature, uh, K.J. Jefferson, the Arkansas quarterback, that is the same stature, same height, same weight. More physical, like he is so physical. Uh, I thought I, I was like KJ Jefferson's shot away from any kind of contact ever. Uh, he can't make obviously make every throw, but I mean both of them had really good deep balls. Have have, uh, but have more room for improvement when it comes to the intermediate passing games. Uh, maybe more of the slant routes, uh, the intermediate throws. I think uh, I think both quarterbacks have something to work on. But I, if I'm KJ Jefferson right now, sitting. In the Razorback locker room, sitting on campus, I'm thinking, man, if Anthony Richardson can go fourth overall in the NFL draft this year, what can I do next year? What can I do under Dan Enos where I can improve my draft stock going forth? I think that's a a, a good question, and I think that's something that can go around in KJ Jefferson's mind throughout this season. Is yeah, I think I can. I think I can be a first round pick. That that all depends on who he's got to throw to. Who's yeah. going to step up? You know, are you going to have a couple of guys step up? Because you, you've seen if he's got a guy like Traylon Burks, what it could do for Traylon Burks. But what is it going to do for K.J. Jefferson? He's got yeah. to be able to prove that he can throw the ball. I mean, he's got to be – I Absolutely. mean, there was a lot of times last year where, he, I mean, short slants, short flat throws that he was just off the mark on. Now, he's shown yeah. where, I mean, of course, you can – with his legs, he's one of the best. He, he, he's probably the best returning quarterback in the SEC. But that yet to be seen, and that a lot of it has to do with roster. A lot of it has to do with coaching. A lot of it has to do with, you know, just the ability to prove that yeah. he can throw the ball. And he's been dealing with that the, his whole time in Arkansas. Is it, it seems like there's always been something that he's had to prove to himself and prove to – the Razorback fans improved to scouts that is he indeed an NFL quarterback. Yeah. And you look at the quarterbacks that Danny knows has coached. He's coached to a tag of a law. He's coached Jalen Hurts. He's coached Matt Jones. He's coached uh, Kirk Cousins, Drew Stanton, several NFL quarterbacks. And you know, the biggest key to being a great quarterback isn't how big of an arm you got. It's all about footwork because footwork can lead to accuracy issues and, and a lot of the times when, when KJ is maybe overthrown guys or, or maybe he's, he's dependent on that arm strength to get it in there. He, he depends on these bullet passes, whether they go up, below, oh, I mean, two or three feet of, in front of the receiver. It's all about footwork. I think Dan Enos is going to be able to fix that footwork. And, and I know that's what Dan Enos has worked on because he said it in an interview is, yeah, KJ Jefferson's a great quarterback, but if he can – he, if he can fix his, if we can fix his feet issues and make him more accurate, he can be a big time talent in the SEC and and you know in the nation too. Uh, while we were talking before the show, the 2024 NFL Draft uh, number one overall pick odds by DraftKings Nation. Uh, obviously, Caleb Williams is probably the consensus number one, but there's one guy on the list that I saw earlier that made it. It has the 10th best odds right now to go overall number one, and that's K.J. Jefferson. There's no other Razorback on this list, 
uh, there's only I think one or one or two other SEC guys in front of him: uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry and Dallas Turner. Yeah, and, and a lot of that's going to do with confidence. We talked about yeah. you know who you're going to throw to. Now, if he gets and he really gets into the field and, and, and game film and getting these reps before the season starts, and he's got the guys he could be comfortable with, he's not going to tuck it. He's not going to. Oh, I, I don't have anybody open within three seconds. I'm automatically going to be shy and, and, and run the ball. If he's got the deep threat and he's got his tight ends and he knows that he he could check down, he's not relying on one or two guys to throw to, that's going to be a lot of it too when it comes to the footwork. Trusting that he's going to get guys open, trusting in his offensive line. That's something we haven't talked about. You know, what, what kind of offensive line are we going to be dealing with next year when it comes to his protection and then, of course, can your tight ends block? We've seen that was a big struggle, you know, last year with, with uh, Knox. You know, this the blocking ability, we knew he could catch, but it was just, you know, you need a good blocking tight end when you're running that zone read scheme. That has a lot to do with that footwork. And even though he was making those circus runs where he was breaking tackles and just making those plays downfield, there's only so many times you can do that before you get picked off. Yeah, and there's only so many times you can do that before you get hurt yes. badly. Yes. And and he did that multiple times last year. He stayed relatively healthy in 2021 outside of that knee injury in the Texas A&M game. But this past year, I mean, I mean, you needed him, absolutely needed him this year uh, against Mississippi State and LSU. I mean, I don't know if you could have uh, won in the buzzsaw that was Mississippi State in Starkville last year. But you certainly could have used him during the LSU game that you lost 13 to 10. He's got to stay healthy. And I think that's a huge thing, too, is when you're running a lot more 12 personnel, there's there's going to be, uh, I think, more open field going forward because you're, you're going to have to account for the two tight ends. You're going to have to account for the one or two wide receivers or the one uh, running back that you had in the backfield. I think there's going to be a lot more one-on-one Deals. I think Arkansas and Dan Enos is going to try to pick apart and use a lot, lot of the whole field instead of trying to beat the edges, try to try to go more north and south instead of sideline to sideline. And that's that's another thing that I think is going to help KJ in his progression is he's going to have to look over the whole field and not just look for his first read or second read and go. I think he's going to have the opportunity to look and say, okay, there's Tesla, there's Andrew Armstrong, there's there's Isaiah Satania over the middle. I mean, I can I have more options now. I've got the gums at tight end. I've got Haas at tight end. I think he's got more options there. Unproven, but I think there's potential there for him to be helped out at quarterback and be able to go in the first or second round next year because of the help that he's got coming in uh, this season. What do you think? Yeah, and but I mean, I don't I don't know first round. I mean, I just – we've seen what kind of talent it's taking to be an, in a first-round NFL quarterback. If yeah. he can get to where I can see him as a throwing, how he can do with his arm, yes, uh, of, of course. Because what other quarterbacks are we really dealing with in next year's draft? Who's going to pop up out of the transfer portal and really go shine in another school? We don't know. Again, that's why yeah. it's the way too early. He's the 10th best option to be the number one overall pick, which is good. A lot of it is, too. What is defense is going to give him? 
Are they going to respect the fact, hey, we're just going to make you run? We, 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 we don't respect your pass game yet. That's why the non-conference schedule is so imperative that you develop your pass game, your balanced <laughs> offense. That way when you get to SEC play, you're really going to start showing out and showing that you can really throw the ball. We know he can do it. I, and, and when I say this, there's no doubt that it's just the, the, the execution and being able to have those guys that you can execute on offense – to get results, it's almost like a, a Matt Jones or, or Casey Dick. They really didn't, you know, trust his arm. They didn't really respect his throwing ability. It ain't like a Ryan Mallett where you're like, okay, we got to play him 40 yards downfield because he'll burn us. You know, it's oh, yeah. just the way it is. So, but no, I, I see the potential is there, but I don't want to get too far ahead of myself and be like, he's definite because right now it's not a definite. I want to see. We can't go off of what these guys have has projected Richardson and, and, and Levis because he's, you know, I it's think honestly, it is, it is. But, I mean, KJ's outshined them. You know, it's almost Definitely. like you could put them in the same draft, and I don't think KJ would have got drafted any higher than Levis or Richardson. It's the hype and whatever they're seeing in their pro day. But, you know, it's it. so you just can't – you can't – see or predict the future on what he's going to do when it comes to his passing game. But that's the only thing holding him back, really. You know, and it's going to take some guys stepping up. But we're about to turn things over to uh, Ethan Westerman. But before we do, we'll say a word from our sponsor at Sterling Soap Company. And if you're looking for premium grooming products that will take your daily routine to the next level, look no further than Sterling Soap Company in Paris, Arkansas. Handmade soaps, aftershaves, and balms are made with the finest ingredients to give your ultimate grooming experience with a variety of scents to choose from. There's something for everyone, plus our products are crafted in small batches to ensure the highest level of quality. So why wait? Visit www.strlingsoap.com or visit the retail store at 16 West Walnut Street in downtown Paris, Arkansas to shop our collection and discover the difference for yourself Upgrade your grooming routine with Sterling Soap Company. And with that, again, we'll bring in Ethan Westerman. Ethan, I know we always catch you at the busiest times. Your big feature with uh, Sasha Goforth, we'll we'll get into that first and foremost about her announcement coming back. And I know you had a big featured article about her uh, deciding to come back to the Razorback women's basketball team. Huge deal for them moving forward. And and just talk about, you know, the interview – what it meant to her coming back, and what do you think it's going to mean to next year's team with her added to the roster? Yeah, I think um, first of all, um, thanks for shouting it out. It's a really, it was a really special piece to do. Um, if you haven't read it, wholehogsports.com, or you can go to my Twitter page at ethwestnwa, and I have it pinned at the top right now. But um, really, just special article to write. Honestly, um, she's just, I think. I, I didn't know her before. I didn't cover the team whenever she was going through all this. So the only Sasha I've talked to is her now in a really good place. So I'm having to go based off of, you know, just um, what I've heard and seen and the story itself. But what I've, the only Sasha I've talked to is one who's just in a really good place right now, as far as um, you can just tell. Um, she's in a place that she, that she, wasn't at this time last year or I mean this time six months ago she's she looks healthy she's got a kind of a glow about her right now or you know she's feeling healthy 
so yeah, just really special article to write. Um, she, I mean, I think if she's, it's, it's one of those deals where it's, um, everybody understands now that her story's gotten out there, what she's been through. And I think that, um, that should be a comfort for her going forward next year. People know that it, I mean, with something like this, nobody expects her to be the same just at a hundred percent all the time. And I think that it just more than anything, telling the story was really special because it gave a chance to, um, I don't know. It, there's a lot of times like, this was actually her first quote in the article. People just see the tip of the iceberg and they don't know what's underneath. Exactly. And I got a chance to go underneath. Um, just in this piece. So I thought it was really special to get to do that so that people understand um, understand a little bit better maybe in the next time that they want to just really bash an athlete <laughs> out there for what they're seeing on the court whenever they don't know what else is happening. So, yeah, really special piece to write. Yeah, and, and the thing is, even the, the people who were covering it, we didn't know anything was going on. Oh, and and you in your article and our, our interview we had with her on the weekly women's sports report, you know, she didn't tell too many people about it. You know, Michaela Daniels and then her coach was about the only one that really knew what was going on, and she hit it very well. But it's like the red flags were there, and even at the end of the season, Kylie SID was was talking about pictures, and they just, just sensed something was wrong. Her color wasn't all there. Un, you know, just the underperforming what we're used to seeing her be like. And it just finally took a toll on her. And, and I think in today's game and today's world, what the society we live in, it's okay to say, hey, I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to take a mental break. We see Devo do that this year. And I think it's very important to these kids, especially with social media and, and being exposed to the public 24-7. You're not, a, you're not getting exposed to the public at a game setting after the game and then you get to go home. You're, it's on your phone. It's on your laptop. It's at practice. It's everywhere you go. You know, you're exposed to some kind of scrutiny or even just good praises. You know, so it, it's good. They she stepped back, but also the fact that she's coming back. She wants to play with Michaela one last year, and I think it's going to be something special. Yeah, and um, on that same topic, just about people on uh, social media, the role it plays. I, I don't remember what baseball player it was, but I saw an interview. Um, from this past weekend, whenever they beat Texas A&M, one of them, uh, John Bolton. John Bolton, yeah, he he said that the best thing he's done for his game recently is just delete the app, and that's what I think. Um, more than anything, people need to just always keep in mind that their words carry power, and it really can affect. And it's just contradictory if you're a fan of the fan of a team to just bash the player about how they did on. Because so, I mean, you're not going to help. That's not going to help them. It's not giving them a kick in the butt they need. It's just tearing them down. Um, so yeah, I think her story was really, um, it was eye opening for me just to get to hear the extent of the extent of what she was going through and trying to, I mean, best thing you can do is ever try and just empathize with somebody. And I, I mean, it's hard to like to get to Like I was trying to put myself in her spot, but just what she was going through at playing at an sec level and throwing up around the clock and not her body, not taking food in the way it was supposed to and her not just she was just deteriorating and then people people just want to be like getting on twitter immediately after a game and just bashing you for airballing a free throw that she's been swishing for the previous 15 years of your of her life i mean you have to know something might be up so yeah it was a i think the the power of words and on social media especially these days just it's always good to keep in mind that your, your words can affect other people, and they can affect people that you have no idea what else they're going on. Because in her case, 
it wasn't it wasn't just mental health it's also it was a physical thing that her mental health contributed it made worse it exacerbated it um i said that word wrong i think um but <laughs> it's all right you know how to spell it, how to spell it. that's what counts um but it uh it was it was making her physical condition worse based on the mental health and i'm like you just nobody would have ever known that until she opened up about it but that just helped let you know how many other people have things going on that you know it's just it's never good to be a keyboard warrior well and we've all been sick you just think about it when you when you're throwing up and you're throwing up everything that you've put into your body it's hard enough to get up out of bed or go brush your teeth or, or, or take out the trash much less hey let's go play in a division one basketball game Let's go run up and down the court. And for her to be able to, to have the, you know, the, I guess the will to, to be able to still do that, that shows how much she loves the game. And, you know, Jacob Seuss did a really good report last fall about her, you know, taking a step back. And you could just tell something was going on, you know, triggering her to, like, missing the game. And, and we were thought, okay, maybe she'll come back. And, and just when the announcement was coming – Know that she was indeed coming back. It was very exciting because you know SEC is not getting any weaker when it comes to the women's basketball. We've seen LSU win it all, South Carolina the year before. So her addition to this squad with what they have coming in with the freshman and, and the girl from Spain, it, it's just uh, it's going to be a breath of fresh air because this team really honestly has the chance to to be something special next year. Yeah, for sure. I think that. More than anything, I'm just excited seeing her, how excited she is that the response people gave to the announcement that she's coming back. Because um, <laughs> I was thinking about it, she's she was dealing with the does deal with an issue that like um, you know like stress and anxiety doesn't help out. So whenever she made her initial announcement that she was going to be stepping away, that was stressful for her. <laughs> so she's making an announcement about she's getting stressed about an announcement about her stress. <laughs> it yeah. was just like a, a hell cycle, honestly. And so just to see that she's now at a place where she's feeling a spot where she can, she wants to come back. She has that hunger to play again. And she feels like she has taken measures that are going to allow her to not only play again, but play at a level that she wants to play at. And I think that more than anything, her story is just, what makes it special and unique is it's one that you don't have to like, you don't have to like basketball or sports to read because there's a lot of people out there in whatever job you're at or whatever you do in life that you're that deal with the mental illness or chronic, um, chronic illness that need that can learn from the same principles as hers. Sometimes it's best to just take a step back and address an issue until you get to a place where you can perform how you want to again. Um, you don't have to think we're just living such a grinded out culture that it's like sometimes the worst thing you can do is ignore your ignore the problem you got going on and just keep on pushing through it and having it get worse. So she took care of herself and um, she had a lot of people in her telling her to take care of herself, which is also important. Mike neighbors never once made her feel her dad actually commented this on the in the reply to the story. He said I'll just read the reply right now. I can pull it up. Um, he said, he said, great write-up of Sasha's story. There was never a hint of concern from Coach Neighbors about what Sasha's decision might mean for the team. His only concern was Sasha's health, and for that I'll forever be appreciative. It was the support she needed. So, yeah. I think moral of this story that I wrote, just <laughs> don't, don't ever be judgmental of people from what you see on the outside and be supportive of people. Um, be supportive whenever you do find out 
somebody's dealing through something, the worst thing you can do is guilt them about it. So, <laughs> so now that you've got that wrapped up, you, you told me previously that you're going to be starting a big feature on some football. So, I mean, without telling us or with or saying without saying, you know, what what do you have kind of in the works, you know, moving forward into uh, summer summer camp and then the start of next season when it comes to the football team. Yeah, I don't want to give out what my future's on yet. Just add a little intrigue to it. But I will say we dropping the Hogs Illustrated football, big football edition here soon. Um, it'll be, I mean, anybody who's read the edition in the past, it's been pretty extensive and done like done kind of a certain way, but we're kind of doing a new spin this year. It's going to look a little different than years past. But I'm writing a feature for it that also – Oh, yeah, this will be my tease. This will be my tease. It's a feature that also, similar to the Sasha story, you don't have to you don't have to love sports to, to, to love this story. So I'm excited to write it. Um, but, yeah, we are entering that season of football is, you know, I mean, we have softball World Series and tournament and baseball World Series. We're back into, hey, football's the next thing season. So that's exciting. Uh, ready for, ready for you know, the, the coming months where we really start to amp up a little bit of, um, of football coverage, but yeah, um, I'm excited to write this feature and it'll be, it's sooner rather than later whenever the edition will come out. So um, we can talk about it more extensively here soon. Well, good, man. It's always have a great on every Sunday, 845, 9 o'clock. We have you on for 15 minutes. Again, brought to you by the law offices, Robertson, Beasley, Shipley, and Robertson in Ozark, Springdale, and Fort Smith. Ethan, we'll let you go on that, man. And, again, can't wait to read the articles you got coming up and football coverage you got coming up this summer. Thanks, Porter. And, by the way, that Bud Walton Arena, it looks good behind you. Got it up there, buddy. Thank you. I appreciate it. See you, brother. Well, that was Ethan Westerman. We're going to take a quick commercial break. After the break, we'll talk about the Arkansas sweep over Texas A&M, what they've got coming up, and then, of course, we'll dip and dive into the Darian Forrest news of his decision to enter the transfer portal. We'll catch you right after the break. At Fordham Lee Distillery, our bourbons look as amazing as they taste. A delicious, high-rye bourbon aged over six years. Fordham Lee is a company founded on the principles of great folks and spirits worth remembering. Look for Fordham Lee brands at Walk-Ons, Liquor World, Busters, and soon everywhere in Northwest Arkansas that serves fine spirits. Fordham Lee Bourbon says please drink responsibly. 21 means 21. Fordham Lee Distillery, blended and bottled in Middletown, Maryland. Shelby Taylor Trucking serves all your timberland needs in South Central Arkansas. With over 50 years in the industry, Shelby Taylor Trucking has established themselves as trustworthy leaders in the industry. From planting to harvesting to hauling your timber, Shelby Taylor Trucking is ready to serve you. Follow them on all social media platforms at Shelby Taylor Trucking. Learn more by visiting their website at staylortrucking.com. That's staylortrucking.com. McCoy Tiger Drug Store of Sheridan, Arkansas has been the top pharmacy in all of South Central Arkansas since 1895. They were also the 2020 Good Neighbor Pharmacy of the Year. They not only fix you up with your prescription with timely and friendly service, but also an elite gift shop. All your OTC needs, baby and wedding registries, tuxedo rentals, and much more. They're located at 821 North Rock Street in Sheridan. Give them a call today at 870-942-5121. 
And we'll welcome you back to the Hog Talk Podcast. We'll say a few words from our friends at Ozark Bre- Arkansas Brewing Company. If you're looking for a place to grab a cold drink and some delicious food in Ozark, Arkansas, look no further than Arkansas Brewing Company and Restaurant. Located at 201 South 1st Street, our establishment offers a wide selection of craft beers and tasty eats. But what sets apart is our welcoming atmosphere and friendly staff. At Arkansas Brewing Company and Restaurant, you always feel like part of the family. So visit us today and see for yourself what makes us the go-to spot for local Locals and visitors alike. Come for the drinks and stay for the friends. And Jacob, uh, Arkansas bounced back in a big way. We're talking about you know how baseball is quirky and you ne- you know never want to uh, you know go too big when it comes to a loss. And they bounce back with a big way. You know you lose to Missouri State eight to four, lose to Georgia, and then you turn around and, and, and sweep Texas A and M seven to five, ten four, and eight to seven. And I'll tell you what, the game yesterday it looked like they had it in hand and. They got a little scare when it comes to uh, getting the sweep, but they got it done. They have a game against Lipscomb on Tuesday, and then they go to Starkville this weekend. So I don't know how much of the, the series you got to catch, but uh, it's good for them to get bounced on the right track heading into the last couple of series with Mississippi State, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt coming up before the SEC tournament. Yeah, uh, you got Lipscomb coming in to Little Rock on Tuesday, and look, you can you you can't judge a team by the name on their uniform. I'm going to tell you that right now because Lipscomb's a dangerous team. I'm not saying that Arkansas is on any kind of upset alert or anything, but they played a pretty pretty harsh schedule. They have beaten a couple of ranked teams this year. They they beat uh, Louisville 12 to seven at their place. Uh, they played. They played Tennessee. They played Mississippi State in the three-game series. Ended up losing uh, that series there in Starkville. Uh, they lost a three-game series to, to Auburn. Uh, and then they actually played – they won a uh, series against Notre Dame this year to uh, open up the season. If you remember, Notre Dame last year was the one that uh, got Tennessee – upset Tennessee in the Super Regionals. Uh, last year, so that was a really big win for Lipscomb to start the year. It was a uh, two to one series win, um, but yeah, these guys they they pitch well, they pretty they, they hit the ball pretty well. I think they average about uh, seven and a half runs a game, but they give up about eight. So they're pitching. They they have pretty good p- uh, starting pitching rotation, but as far as like the the back end of it, you know, Arkansas can probably. Uh, Hit a few, uh, hit a few, and and maybe uh, win this game going away after a scare early on. Uh, I think that right now, I mean, look at Peyton Stovall. I mean, the guy hit a grand slam the other day. Uh, you you see Jay Sporfin continuing his hot streak. Uh, you hate to lose a guy like Tavian Josenberger, uh, but you get Brady Tiger back, a guy that pitched one inning on Friday. And uh, looked pretty good, looked solid. And uh, Willie McIntyre came in, and he had a really good Friday. Uh, Thursday night, I mean, Arkansas, they were – it was right there 5-5, five to five, and then they blew it open. And then Cabo, I, I, I want to brag on Cabo, the guru, a little bit too because he was on the buzz. And Randy kind of threw him a haymaker with like 30 seconds left saying, hey, Cabo, what do you think uh, the final score is going to be tonight? He says, well, looking at the pitcher rotation and – and the guy starting and the guy ended, it's going to be a 10 to 4 game. And what happened? Ended sure up enough. being final score 10 to 4. And uh, I shouted him out on Twitter, man. I, that guy, he they don't, they don't call him the guru for uh, 
no reason at all. The guy knows his stuff, and and then Arkansas on, on Friday or Saturday got up eight to nothing, and then uh, they kind of had to hold on. I don't know if they were just kind of running out of pitching or what. But yeah, they just started but, walking yeah. everybody. I mean, they were just getting walks. And, yeah, and you know, you brought Gage Wood in, and it just seemed like yeah. they just couldn't get a a handle. You know, you, you get in cruise you control. You know, you already got the, the the series win, and you get into right. cruise control, and you kind of let it get a, get away from you. It was funny because, you know, I, we were talking. I was texting him. I was like, you know, Cabo, they uh, they they gonna turn around, and piss this game away, and he's like, ah, it's it's eight two, it's eight three, and then all of a sudden it got to eight <laughs> seven, and it's like, hey, you know, what's going on? But something I wanted to bring up. You're talking about the Lipscomb game. You know, they play the game in Dickie Stevens Park, so they're going to North Little Rock to play this game and then travel to Starkville. So that's a little yeah. tidbit to keep, you know, when it comes to these midweek games leading up to these big SEC series. And I know Mississippi State isn't, you know, that Mississippi State that won the College World Series a couple of years ago. But, you know, anytime you go still there. you in the dude. Yeah. And, and, and that's a big – that's the, the biggest spot in, in the nation. You know, they're breaking NCAA records every weekend. But, yeah, it's going to be, you know, down the stretch. You get you get through that. South Carolina, they've kind of hit a wall where, where they've hit some injuries and kind of, you know, cooled off a little bit. And, of course, it don't matter what you deal with with Vanderbilt. You're playing them at Vandy. You're going to be dealing with the Whistler. So, there's no telling. These last three weekends are going to be crucial when it comes to, you know, tournament seating and, and seeing where they can land and how much flexibility that gives them on what they, how serious they take this SEC tournament heading into regionals. Yeah, and and you really look at it, I think Arkansas, they're kind of hitting the right stride. And this shows the depth that uh, Dave Van Horn has in this team where he can put in 100 grinds in and 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 it seems, it's seamless. You've got you, – you move some guys around. Uh, I'm going name blank again tonight. Sorry, guys. But you have so many guys that, that you can just call up at any point and say, hey, go out there and, and get a hit. Go out there and, and make some plays. Like, Hunter Grimes just absolutely rocketing that throw all the way home to home plate yeah. off a of one hop. That was just an incredible – that could have swung the game wide open for Texas A&M because they were coming to uh, slide to take the lead, and that could have blown this series in absolute opposite direction. Well, and if and you look at the play, Arkansas, yeah. it almost looked like the pitcher was going to cut it off. I mean, there was for a yeah. split second, it looked like the pitcher was going to, but I think he was called off. And if he wouldn't have been called off, I mean, that would have been a run right there. Yeah. Yeah. Kendall Diggs, uh, he kind of had an off weekend. Uh, I don't know if he's just not. I mean, he, he's been playing, what, three or five hole uh, all year long. And then now he's come off to be the leadoff man with Josenberger and Wag- Wagner out. And Kendall may be kind of off a little bit. He may not be leadoff guy. I remember a couple of years ago when when Luke Bonfield or or I think it was Luke Bonfield was ended up being the leadoff guy for for weeks and weeks, and then they changed it up and and put somebody else there, and, and Luke started striding again because the attention wasn't all on him or the pressure to to lead off and go just wasn't on him. Uh, let's see, Callie's finally coming through. You've got Ben McLaughlin, who's been a pretty good designated hitter. Uh, but Brady Slavens, that that was a uh, pretty slick play the other day, too, on Thursday night where they popped one up right above the first baseman, and and you had the uh, Texas A&M coach on uh, 
live interview. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, that was he just popped up right over there. He's I like, want to know what he wanted oh, to say. I mean, he held back. You could say he, you oh, could yeah. tell he was wanting to say some choice words, but that's, that's funny where he caught himself like in a, in a live, almost hot mic moment. But we'll, we'll go oh, yeah. to go right quick to our, our Hogs Plus soundbite of the week. We're going to talk about, you know, Dave Van Horn's message after the sweep. And this is what he had to say to the team. Dave Van Moore, I mean, basically what he was saying, you don't want to play to win. You, you know, you're talking about getting in that cruise control setting, exactly what he said. Play to win because, look, if you get into these regional settings and these – look at, like I said, what happened against North Carolina State. You get in these cruise control settings where you think you have everything made and they come back creeping on you and then you get to panic mode, all of a sudden you're sitting home. And, and want to really thank Hogs Plus for all their, their – their permission to let us use those sound bites brought to you by Hogs Plus, and uh, we'll start bringing you that you know once a week. Give us some sound bites and give you some content from them as well. But yeah, it's very interesting how we were talking about that, and that's what he had to say to the team after the game is we're winners, you know, and that's that's something he seems a lot more looser this year, and I don't know if it's because of the fact we're getting this. You know, the behind the scenes look at Dave Van Horn, but you see him as a buttoned up business type coach and it's really awesome to hear him talk like that in a non press conference setting and just kind of relax and having fun with this year's team and maybe he feels like this team has it yeah you know because you've had like you look in the past and and you think about the Jalen you, you had the Jalen battles you had the the Connor Nolans you had the Robert Morris for years Caden Wallace for years, and and you just never really got over that hump. Like, you got to the College World Series, and, and you were just right there and just couldn't finish the deal. I think he knows that, okay, I had to recruit, re-recruit a bunch of – I mean, or, or recruit heavily, and maybe we're a year or two away. Maybe not. Maybe he knows that he's getting the most out of this team right now, and, and maybe this is his best coaching job because he's had to battle through with so many injuries and he's had to deal with so many lineup changes and, and rotated guys in the field. And now he, he probably thinks that, okay, I can trust any of these guys to go play any single position, any single night, and they're going to produce for me. And I think that he has the confidence in this team that maybe I don't have to be so buttoned up. Maybe I don't have to hold everything so close to my chest. Maybe I can just go out there and, and let these guys have fun and let these guys respond. Because you think about it, they could have, after they get swept by Georgia, the season could have been over. But they come back, and after losing a midweek, se- a midweek game, too, they come back, take care of business against arguably the hottest team in the SEC in Texas A&M, who had won their last four series, come in, sweep them, and now you're headed into Starkville. Then you got uh, South Carolina, 
and then you end the season. Is it, is it against Vanderbilt? Is that right? Yeah, you end the season at Vanderbilt. You've you got South at Carolina yeah. at home, and then you end at 18th, 19th, and 20th before you go to yeah. you go to Hoover. And, uh, well, and then, yeah, I don't know if he necessarily – I mean, you know how he played to win that one championship, uh, SEC tournament championship that one year, and, and he used up everything he had. Is he going to do the same? Is he going to have the same approach? No. Uh, is he going to want to, the guys to have as much chemistry as they can possible going into postseason play? There's a lot of questions here that, that I want to have answered, but I think he's already answered those. Well, and he's answered that in the past with saying without saying. You know, depending on where you're at, the, the setup of how the SEC tournament's played out, and it's one of the worst brackets there is, you know, then you yeah. go into regional supers and then the, the, how the brackets played out with the pool play and stuff in Omaha, your key is to get to Omaha. Yeah. I think he wanted that, that SEC championship. I think he wanted it for his team. I think he wanted it for himself because he deserves it. And I think yeah. that's all right. I got my SEC championship. Now the focus is let's get through because you're playing in the SEC. And you're getting through that gauntlet and moving in. And, and again, you want to win every game, but the importance of winning the SEC tournament is just not – I think of all the sports, the big three, it's the least, you know, I mean, because you got that basketball and, of course, football. If you win the SEC championship, you're playing for the national championship. But just the lack of importance. But also the, the pressure is not there. You're not that number one team. You don't have Robert Moore. You don't have Heston Kerstad. You don't have Kevin Copps. You don't Kevin have Cops, those yeah. gunners. You don't have those gunners that everybody are coming for, and you're not relying on one guy to get you through a whole series. You know, you're not mm-hmm. putting the ball in Kevin Copps' hand two games every weekend to get you these wins. And then when it comes time for your your depth in your bullpen, you know, you you're building your depth. And I think when you play free, like he says, play to win. Let's go have fun. You're building depth, and you see numerous guys stepping up because he's got that faith of them. No matter if you're that third guy off the bench or you're in the starting lineup, you know you give them the confidence that they can come in and pinch hit, come in and give you in any pitching. That's all that matters. You think about the year that they were one out away from winning the College World Series. Nobody thought that they were going to be national title contenders going into that year. This team didn't even win a single road series that year. And they were right there in the cusp of winning the national championship one out of way. And you think about all the freshmen they had. They had a Heston Kerstad. They had Casey Martin. They had Blaine Knight, Isaiah Cam- or Isaac Campbell, uh, and, and then uh, uh, my guy, Casey Murphy. They had a lot of dudes. By the end of the season, you knew what dudes you had. You look at it this year, you've got your star freshmen. You've got a pretty solid pitching rotation if you can keep them healthy throughout this year. And you have a pretty good, not outstanding fielding team like you've had in the past, but something that's similar to the 2018 team. I think that Arkansas, I'm not trying to compare, you know, it's apples to oranges, it's different teams, but they kind of have the same, they have similarities together that maybe this team can make the run to Omaha. Well, and, and here's the thing is like just with the depth of the team, you know, and, and running through the gauntlet they did, look at the recruiting. You know, we're, yeah. we're finally at the point of, okay, we know they're going to rebuild. There's no expectations like there was in the past of we need this team to be the number one team in the nation. 
We know right. that, that that Madden curse, as you say, when it comes to the number one team in the nation or that number one overall seed winning it all. I think yep. we finally trusted that they are reloading every year. They're not rebuilding, they're reloading. And we've, I, for me, the way I look at the team this year is just, I was thinking about that, you know, a couple of weeks ago, just like, all right, he, he's got it handled, you know, with his recruiting and, and knowing he's going to get guys to fill in those holes every single year because how he's recruiting. I think we're not, it's not comfortable or, or you're not getting comfortable. It's the fact that you're confident of knowing this guy has done it year after year after year and, and made it to the College World Series, one out away, SEC championships, SEC regular season championships. He's done it all other than win it all in Omaha, and that's one of the hardest things to do. But I think for me, and I'm sure I can speak for a lot of the baseball fans because that's kind of a different kind of crew that the, the baseball fans other than, you know, the base, the basketball and football, that they finally just knew – had the confidence that he's going to get things going. And it's those casual fans, those ones that freak out on those midweek series because, again, look what we do, things, same thing with Muss. And then in February turns it around or March turns it around. So I, I just think he's finally got this thing rolling to where we know every year he's going to fill in the blanks. Oh, man. We got 10 minutes here. Let's talk a little bit of hog baseball <laughs> or basketball. Speaking of Eric Musselman, oh, goodness. Megan, I don't know. <laughs> if I didn't know, <laughs> I could, uh, This is the know. person that wants Musselman gone every time. Yeah, man. absolutely. Uh, every time. Look, if Arkansas gets Ron Holland, great. That would be a huge victory. But as far, you know, losing Darian Ford out uh, to the transfer for, portal, uh, I mean, I don't know how big of a loss it is. I I like the Ford family. I'm a huge South Arkansas guy, and I hope that he does well wherever he lands. But there there is, you know, it's just really hard right now when you when you are bringing in transfers and you're bringing in five star guys that are playing right away, and, and it's just hard to get, and it's easy to get lost in the depth chart. It really is. It's a lot to unpack, and I yes. stated how I felt on it. Um, it. It's timing. My whole thing yeah. was timing. You know, you go away for spring break, and, and you come back, you make the video, you come back, and then then you're going to the portal. Or And, and I don't know if it was on what side. I'm, I've heard both sides of this story, yeah. or I've heard two sides of this story of – they didn't have the exit interview when they come back. They done the exit interview, so they made a premature video. Hey, I'm coming back. Then they done the exit interview after they come back, and that's why that fallout happened and made it seem like, well, he said he's coming back. Because to me, I'm like, all right, surely they wouldn't make a video and and put it out there on social media, get the uproar without you knowing, hey, I've talked to the coach saying I've come back. That's what was hard for me to to, to kind of take in. But that's what I was hearing was the video was made, then the exit interview, and then it was decided that, hey, we're, we're going to move on. But we got to look at this as the flip side of the coin. I've explained it many a times that, you know, the coaches can now do whatever they – this is a year-to-year basis. A scholarship's not a four-year scholarship. It's a year-to-year contract 
that you're doing now with the NIL and now with the transfer portal, it ain't even your contract. You can leave whenever you want. But we're used to the, the, the players leaving when they want, leaving midway through the season. We've never really seen a coach be like, okay, I like this guy. Well, I want to trim the fat and be like, okay, these guys, we're going to rescind your scholarship for the next year. We're bringing this guy in. It's part of if you want to play the game of, hey, I have the chance to go go anywhere I want to and do it one time. Now with the unofficial, you know, the unlimited unof- the official visits, getting to transfer anywhere you want to one time and then you have to sit out the next year. I mean, you want that part of it to know that you can go to a Kentucky or Duke or wherever you want to after a year if you, you're not like the playing situation you're in. Well, it's only fair that the coaches get to do the same thing. It's not that we don't like it, and we don't have to like it. That is our decision as fans to be like, well, I don't like how this is. My whole issue was the timing of it and when we said, okay, we're coming back, and then things fell apart. That's why I wanted to ask the questions because if it would have been an isolated situation, wouldn't have been anything brought up. But when Dunning did it and then now Ford did it, the questions have to be asked, like, what's going on? Right. And you got to think of it on Musselman's side. If, if they didn't, if they waited to do the exit interviews till after that point, and they told him to go home, like he's, he is a coach that's after titles. Yeah. He's after going out there and winning. And he has an opportunity here after going to three straight sweet 16s and two elite eights in the past three years. He has, he's absolutely raised the standard for Razorback basketball and for fans to get mad at him for saying, okay. And like you said, these scholarships are one year deals. And after that, I mean, he may decide not to, not to re up with them, but he has an opportunity here to get the best players possible. Whether it is a Hunter Dickinson, whether it is a Ron Holland, whether it is anybody out there, he has the freedom to say, okay, this is who I'm going after, and I'm going to have to make room. Yeah, because you it, look you, at and, – And I like what, I liked what somebody – I don't know – I don't remember what group it was that said you can either like to win with the best players or you can have feel-good stories and win every three years. Yeah. What would you rather have? Well, and, and, and the flip side of that is, say – Ron Holland's in play. Let's just make him the example. And, and Musselman's yeah. really going after him hard, and, and he's really looking for him. And he only he doesn't have a spot for it. And say Ford's saying, all right, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. He sticks with his guy. He's loyal to his guy. Holland then, you know, goes to wherever. And then a week later, Ford decides to leave. You know, th- you're playing both sides yep. of it. And that's the way – you have to look at it because that could seriously happen. But that's the th- that's where I think they need to have limits. I think they need to have times on when, you know, just like the recruiting window or dead periods. I think they need to have windows on when you can leave, and when you can, you know, just you know. I think there should be a window of when you can open up recruitment, do your thing, and then decide on when you when you want to go because when you're consistently at 365 days of the year and this is coaches and players alike you know worried about are we going who we losing recruiting high school game plan and you're trying to keep your team intact and then the flip side of it the college well are are they going to want to go after this guy when when are they going to let me know that 
I'm good to play for this team next year. So you just never know. Yeah, there's a constant recruiting. Uh, and you think about like Sam Pittman saying it in the interview, I uh, think either last year or a season ago, he's had to re- re-recruit the players when he comes to Arkansas because that's when the portal all started and stuff is about 2019, 2020. He had to re-recruit the players that he inherited. Then he had to re-recruit re- re- the, the high school ranks in two weeks. And then throughout spring football, he's having to re-recruit his team after guys that aren't happy. Like, it's a constant thing. And I don't know, I mean, shoot, that's why he makes the $5 million he does. Exactly. To, to <laughs> absolutely, because – I get tired of. I mean, I know that. Uh, I know that I get paid really well to write stories, but even I get tired of having to keep up with all the roster turnover that uh, goes on because it's a constant thing. Of it, it's beautiful. It's I like it because it's constant beauty, content, <laughs> but it's hard to keep up with. It is, but I mean, it gives us stuff to talk about. It get you know because now Absolutely. at this point, look at this summer. Now we can easily transition into and having a baseball team that you know is going to Omaha. You having a softball team that could go to Supers. You know, there's not that big of a gap in between baseball and football season, so we're kind of blessed with the content. And then on top of that, the transfer portal. So yeah, we'll, there, there's nothing hush hush. Kevin McPherson kind of put something out of you know, hey, it's you know sources or intel he was at some aau event or some kind of event yeah and uh grassroots. Said grassroots and said that we're going to have some good news so i mean you never know what that means it's vague but i mean hopefully you know they could get somebody in they i still think they need a big i still think they need somebody inside that, that yeah. can really bang because you, you can have all the scoring you want but look let's call a spade a spade the last three years you've got bodied and and got outed of the tournament due to just the physicality of the game. So, I mean, you got to get somebody who can get down low and bang with these guys if you're going to get to the Final Four and eventually win a national championship. Yeah, and and I think that he has an opportunity here. Of course, I've, I've you know, I hear names all the time, and I have to either think, okay, does Arkansas have a shot or do they not have the shot? And I think that – hearing some of the names that Arkansas is going after if they have an opportunity to do so, Arkansas fans will be very pleased with who they target. I can't, I, I can't go out and just exactly say who, who uh, they may target. But I think if, if you were wanting post presences, maybe one or maybe two, it, it, you're going to get good news. And I think that, I think Arkansas, they're, they're recruiting their butts off. To, they want to finally break through into that Final Four, into that national title uh, situation. I think that Musselman's doing it the right way, and, and he's going out there, and he's getting every single top guy he can. It's it's awesome to, to see him have the success on the recruiting trail, especially the way that Arkansas hasn't had it in, what, 30 years well, and being in the in the position to where, yeah, I know Arkansas is known for, you know, go. It doesn't matter if, if somebody enters the portal at twelve oh five on a Tuesday. They're at twelve oh six. They're already calling, you know. But yeah, that's why they call him the importer for the reason. I mean, he just goes to the portal. But it when it when it works, it's working. But being in the position, and I don't know how many schools can really say this that every single year. Everybody you reach out to, you they listen. You're not going to get everybody, but they're willing no. to listen to you now. Before he came here, you wasn't getting nobody. 
other than some in-state kids that that was really highly rated or get some get some guys out of Texas or you know the buddy ball system or the JUCO the JUCO route you know but yeah. now you can at least like a Hunter Dixon he's at least wanting to listen now if he comes or not Ron Holland is he going to come but a couple years ago that wasn't even a it was a pipe dream now it's, yeah. it, it is a reality yeah and and they I think they I think they can pull a guy or two but you think about it, like Eric Musselman was doing this transfer game way before anybody else was. And yeah. and he knows he's had to even develop his way of recruiting guys in the transfer portal too, because now everybody's doing it. Yep. And he's upped his game. And and that's that's what's cool is you, you've got the guy that's the originator of the transfer portal and, and getting transfer guys and, and having success with them. And and they see it. They've seen it since 2017 with the with the Martin brothers, and now they're seeing it with with themselves and being able to go out and go pro, whether it's in the NBA, the G League, the NBDL. Like Musselman is showing that hey, you come to me and I will put you in the pros. Yep. And I think that I think that's what he has over every single person or every single coach in the country is that he has proof that he can get it done. That's right. Jake, was there anything else you got to add before we we, we wrap this thing I could, up? I could probably go for an hour or two. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, hey, tomorrow night we have Coach Colby Hill, the Arkansas soccer team coming on. They're having some field renovations going on there. Talk about their spring, undefeated spring season, and we'll talk about their team uh, coming up next season. That will be tomorrow night at 6 o'clock right here on, on our platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're starting to do a lot of our uh, sponsors and, and stuff on Instagram. We're really trying to boost that up. So go give us a follow on Instagram if you're not already. Follow the content we produce there. We love giving our sponsors, all of our sponsors. We thank them so much for being a part of the Hog Talk family. We got a YouTube channel that we started pushing our content. So our content's everywhere. And of course, on all podcast platforms and 106.7 in Central Arkansas. The buzz, too. But for Jacob, myself, Porter Hayes, we will catch you tomorrow night. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.